Well, hey, I'm really excited to continue this series that uh, we, we, we did, uh, began last week. And uh, it's awesome because today is Halloween and we're gonna be talking about the thing that Halloween can't stop. We're going to talk about the church, Amen. Uh, the church that Jesus is building. And for over, how, I don't know how many years, uh, this uh, cultic holiday has been celebrated to try to advance the gates of hell. Yeah. We sang about a church that the gates of hell can't prevail against. Amen. And so we're going to continue to talk about that this morning. And so last week we began a series called The Church That Jesus Is Building, and of course, uh, that has thematically been interwoven through the songs that we've been singing over the last two weeks, and it comes from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when Jesus says, uh, I'm sorry, when, yeah, in uh, verse 18, when it says this, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and say it with me, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it or overpower it. I love that. Here are a couple of observations from last week's message just to get everybody caught up. The first is that Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. How many of you know that that rock was not Peter? That rock was not man's strength, gifting, skill set, insights, or ideas. That rock was actually talked about by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 26.4. Listen to this scripture. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. That was the rock that Jesus said that he would build his church on. God, not Peter. God, not man. That rock that Jesus said he would build his church upon was the revelation that Peter had from God the Father in verse 16 when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So then, the church that Jesus builds is founded on two things. It's founded on his mission as savior of the world, and secondly, he's, it's founded on his position as the son of God. So last week, we, like, we tackled those things. Why building and maintaining a church on that foundation is so important. Because listen to me, when you build a church that remains faithful to that foundation, Jesus promises that those are his churches. He takes ownership of those bodies and says, no, that's my church. And those are the churches that he promises that he will build. It's interesting because uh, Allison and I went to Rome in 2000, I want to say eight. And there was something very interesting about the way that the Roman emperors build their palaces. Uh, if you have been to Rome, uh, the Roman emperors were, would build their palaces in a place called Palatine Hill. But Palatine Hill was not actually originally a hill. It became a hill over time. How did it become a hill over time? Because this is what the, the emperors would do. The emperors, once they would take over and a regime would change, they would actually fill the existing palace with dirt and completely cover it and then build their palace on top of that one. And over time, it just got taller and taller and taller. Can you imagine if that was what the presidents would do with the White House? Yeah. <laughs> the White House would be as tall as the Washington Monument if that was the way. And it was basically, we want to, we want to uh, erase the, the history and the existence of the previous emperor. And 
when I, when I was there, I started to think about maybe that's what happens when church, when, when, when people take the church and they begin to build it on their own ideas. They don't build it on the original foundation anymore. They just kind of, over time, they just create their own idea of what it's supposed to be. And that's the church that we don't want to build. That's the church that Jesus says he won't build. He's not going to build our ideas. He's going to build his ideas because it was his idea in the first place. How many of you can't stand someone that hijacks your ideas? Have you ever met that person? Where you share an idea and they're like, you know what you should do? And I'm like, no, I don't care what you think because I didn't ask you for your idea. It was my idea. <laughs> I wonder if God's like, that was my idea. Don't hijack my idea. This is why it's so important that we stay true and faithful to the foundation that Jesus initiated the history of the church on. Jesus, the rock, God, the rock, not man's ideas. He said, I will build my church in the gates of Hell will not overpower it. When you build a church that remains faithful to that foundation, Jesus promises that that is his church and that he will build it. The second thing is this. Jesus was not building a church that was, that was going to be temporary. He was going to build an eternal church that outlasts hell. The only church that Jesus says that hell will not prevail against, once again, is the church that's founded upon that rock, that foundational revelation. So this week... We're going to continue, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what type of church that Jesus wanted to build. He was going to build a church, but what type of church is that supposed to be? So will you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Jesus, we dedicate this time to you as sacred. Lord, we pray that you would come and you would speak to us. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can uh, gather every single week and we could be instructed, we could be affirmed, we can be encouraged, we can be challenged, we can be edified and built up and strengthened so that when we leave this place, we have an ammunition for life. We have warfare for life. And Lord, I just pray that today would be a day where the church is built up, where the church is edified, where the church is inspired, where the church begins to see what they have the power that the church has, the weapons that the church has to combat what the enemy would want to do, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So what type of G church did Jesus intend to build? Well, the first thing, it actually comes back from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It says this, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Let me give you some hi historical context for the word church here. Uh, the, the word church here is the Greek word ekklesia. How many of you have ever heard the word ekklesia before? Ekklesia. And uh, that word, Pastor Dwight referred to it earlier uh, in his closing. The word means called out ones or a group of people chosen from a larger group that come together. This word actually speaks to the parable of the marriage feast found in Matthew chapter 22. You remember when Jesus basically said, hey, send out invitations. He was calling people out, right? And some people didn't expect, uh, uh, did not receive the invitation and did not respond to the invitation. He said, go anywhere. Go anywhere because his church 
is making nothing something. He takes people that other people would say are nothing and he makes them something. And he says, I'll take anybody. I just want my church. I will take anybody, all the people that think they're too good for the church, that's fine, but I'm gonna get somebody. So see, he sends invitations out to everybody and those people from the highways and the byways and the sideways are the ones that come in and he's like, this is my church. It's the ecclesia. He calls out, he sends out and we respond. So you are here because you responded to the invitation of God to be a part of the church. But listen, we're not just called out people. Because how many of you know that when you first receive salvation, you've been called out? But just because you're called out doesn't mean that you're not called into something. First Peter 2, 9 speaks, once again, speaks to the fact that we are called out. We are called out of darkness to declare His works, His marvelous light, right? But then we are called into something, and that is what the ecclesia is. Just because, you're not, uh, just because you're called out of something does not mean that you're not called into something, which also speaks to the fact that Christianity at its root and nature is not a solo endeavor. You have to be a part of the ecclesia. You can't just be someone that is free roaming. Now, I believe in Jesus, but I kind of do my own thing. I don't, you, it's, it is a contradiction to believe in Jesus, but not believe in the church. Because you're not called out without being called in. You have to have a home that you call your spiritual residence. It's just the way that God works. You can't just solo this Christian thing. All right. And so the ecclesia is what God has called us into. But he wasn't just using a generic term to describe the church. Okay, it's not just a group of people that are called out. It's actually more culturally relevant. And what he was using this word for was to describe what his church would be. Because listen to me this morning. If the gates of hell are not going to prevail against his church, then this gathering of people is going to need to possess something that will combat and confront the gates of hell. It's not just going to be this group. And he's like, I got my group. And hell just has its way. This group is going to need to possess something that confronts the gates of hell and combats the gates of hell. Otherwise, it won't continue to exist. But how many of you know that over 2,000 years ago, a church started and it's still here. So God has been building, but not only been building, he has given his church things that that afford them the power to combat and confront hell. Otherwise, they would not remain. Okay. And so this word ecclesia is not just a religious word. This word was actually a, listen, a governmental legal word. Oh, this is going to be good. And so this word ecclesia actually culturally referred to a governmental legislative body. That's what the church is. See, in our modern times, ecclesia would be the city council, the school board, the parliament, or the congress. I hope, you don't under, I hope you don't miss this. Jesus did not want a people that he would call out of the world to become his own. He wanted more than that. He wanted a legislative body, 
existing of members of heaven that would act as representatives from heaven to enact the will of heaven in the earth. That's what he wanted. That is what the ecclesia is. That's what Jesus wanted to build. What is the will of heaven? The will of heaven in Matthew 10, 8 is this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons freely you have received, freely give. And that's just a snippet of the will. The will of heaven, listen, is to reveal what heaven is really like to humanity as well as to undeal, undo the stealing, killing, and destroying of the enemy. Yep. It's twofold. We are to reveal what heaven is like to humanity while simultaneously undoing the work of the enemy. And he said, I'm going to create a group of people that are called out of darkness into my wonderful light. And then I'm going to endue them with something that gives them the ability to bring my will into the earth. I hope you see the church differently this morning. It is so shallow of us to think that the church is where we gather for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. It is so much bigger than that. That is so shallow. That is what the world thinks you are. But we're different than that because the world didn't create the church. God created the church and he had a will and a dream and a plan for this church that he created. See, here's the thing that he endued us with because listen, all of that healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out demons, all of the bringing heaven to earth, all of the undoing of the enemy, that requires a spiritual authority to execute. And this is why it's so important that we remain fixed on the foundation of the church. Because God will not continue to give his church keys that they mishandle. We, if we deviate into our own idea of what we think the church should be for the sake of cultural relevancy, you know what comes with that? We're stripped of our authority. Because it's not his church anymore, it's, it's our church. See, we have to make sure that we stay true to that foundation because when we stay true to that foundation, we are able to hold on to the authority that he intended for us to have. In order for, for these things to happen, we have to have a spiritual authority to execute it. Remember when Jesus said to his disciples, this is how you should pray. Why in the world, where else in the world, on a Sunday morning, do people gather and do what Pastor Dwight said and say, hey, stretch your hands over here? In what other context does that make sense? It makes sense here because Pastor Dwight understands that we carry an authority that will impact Mike in Burundi. We're not just playing games. This is not just metaphors. He's actually believing that what God said the church is supposed to be should actually act upon those things and walk those things out in faith. So we stretch our hands to the east because we believe that through 
Second Chronicles, if my people would pray, humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear their cry and I would bring healing to the land. I don't think people are getting it this morning. Just keep trying. Okay. Just keep trying. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good, baby. It's fine. It's fine. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He said in Matthew 6, your, this is how you should pray. Because prayer matters. This is why the sanctuary needs to be full on a midweek prayer meeting. Because we're not just throwing stuff up on the, and hoping it sticks on the ceiling. It actually goes through the ceiling into the spirit realm. And people don't understand that some of the things you don't fight is because of a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. And you never had to fight them. So you don't even realize that prayer matters. You're like, my prayer don't work. Uh, it does. But on the other side of eternity, you will see all the things that got stifled by an hour long prayer meeting on a Wednesday night that you did not think mattered. Pray that his kingdom would come, his will would be done. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was teaching his first church or ecclesia of 12 members that you should pray like this because what? You are now representatives set into the world that you grew up in to enact the will of heaven in the earth. Amen. This is one of the primary functions of the church, and this is why Jesus used this word in that passage of Scripture. Listen to me this morning. The church that Jesus is building is going to be a group of people who are called out of the world and called into a group of believers that now serve as representatives of heaven to enact the will of God in the earth through the authority that they were given. When Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons, he was using it literally. Right. He was telling his Ecclesia, I hope you get this, that you have a legal right in the spiritual realm possessing an authority to counteract those things. See, this is heaven's perspective on the church. This is what heaven is leaning over the balcony of heaven, dreaming that the church is. And when, when heaven sees it, they're like, Jesus is like, that's my church. Because that church is operating in the authority that I have given it. Amen. Goes on. Church is not some weak, ragged, fragile entity that is limping along. The church is the physical representation of Jesus Christ on the earth. See, if the church does not have authority, then why do we have witch doctors show up at our crusades? Right. <laughs> if you've been to Africa, you've seen it. That's right. I remember there was a, we were at a crusade in 2012. Someone was preaching the message of Jesus. Beth was out in the crowd. She turns to her right, and there's a guy with his, arm, his eyes rolled up in his head, uh, incantating. Why did he show up? Because the church has authority. Like, this is a war that we're fighting, that we need to understand. And, and I'm not just trying to get intense, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get us to understand what the church really is in Jesus' eyes. 
We have a legal right. We have authority. If the church does not have authority, then why did we have witch doctors show up at our crusades in, in Africa? Why did we enter into a town in Oaxaca City, Mexico, and do a drama, and people respond to the message of Jesus, and demons are getting cast out of them? I still see it in my head. They're laying all over the place, and they're foaming, and they're screaming and yelling, and I'm like, holy crap, this is getting real. I'm 15, like, if I didn't speak in tongues then, I got the gift then. Should have bought a Honda or something. And before that, you remember the speaker would not work for the life of us. And we had to fix it, and it, I, that was a crazy night. One of the craziest. You could feel this thickness in the air. That the enemy was like, this is my turf, not your turf. And, and, and there was this something that rose up in us that said, um... The Bible says wherever our foot treads, we have it. So it's not your turf anymore. And we showed them who had the authority. And it wasn't because of our skill sets and our abilities and our mindset and our giftings. It was because we were just being the church that Jesus said he wanted to build. Why did they show up? Why did those things happen? See, if the church doesn't have authority, then why did, this is a true story, then why did my dad wake up in the middle of the night and find a demon standing over me and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and that thing disappeared. And it was the night before we were going on a mission trip to a Native American reser reservation in South or North Dakota. And he happens to wake up at the right time, and there's a demon standing over me, and he says, nope. Because... Our battle, our war is not with flesh and blood. He's not going to, he's not like, well, you know, I had two years of varsity wrestling, so let's go. <laughs> Just a word. Just a word. Right. Like a cartoon. Authority. I remember there was a winter camp in uh, 2014, 2015, and, uh, we had a service one night, and it was way over, and uh, way over, and uh, I was walking down the hallway. Everybody had kind of left to go back to the hotels or whatever. I was walking down the hallway, and I peek into the nursery because there's two, these two guys uh, speaking to this student, and um, they're getting nowhere in the conversation because uh, this kid was demonically oppressed, and they're trying to counsel a demon. You're right. And so I peek in, and I'm like, y'all good? And they're like, yeah, we're just having a conversation. And I walked down. I said, okay, cool. Well, hey, we're heading out. And I walked down the hallway, and the Holy Spirit said, turn around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, okay. all right. <laughs> and I looked, I bent over, and I said, I rebuked that thing in the name of Jesus. The dude's eyes rolled, and there was clarity. And he got up and walked out, and they were like, we wasted a whole lot of time. <laughs> Now, I'm not shaming, but I'm just saying that there were two people that believed in Jesus that were not walking in the authority that God had given them, and they're trying to counsel a demon. 
Like, you can't reason and rationalize with a demon. I'll never forget another winter camp. A, a pastor friend of mine uh, was gone in the service for a long time. And I said, man, where did you go? And he was like, I was just out in the lobby seeing your senior pastor cast a demon out of one of my teenagers. Do you remember that? He said he was going in. He was like, that stuff was crazy. I'm like, well. <laughs> it's real. It is real. And we're the ecclesia. See, this is the thing. The devil only shows up to things that are threats. Your opposition and your adversity is affirmation of your anointing. That's why he shows up. That's why things are hard. Because he doesn't waste his time, energy, and effort on something that does not have the authority to confront and combat what he's trying to do. We are the ecclesia with an authority. Now the ecclesia... Uh, it it actually, actually functions like an embassy. America has 163 embassies all over the world. An American embassy is, listen, this is so good. It's a little bit of America, just a long way from home. I hope you caught that. Within the property lines of these American embassies, it is the law of America that rules. Embassies are sovereign territories. Listen to me. They don't belong to the country they are in. They belong to the country they are from. I hope you're hearing this. These embassies have delegated power. Once you cross the boundary line into embassy territory, you come under the authority of the ruler of the nation of that embassy. And so is the purpose of the church that Jesus is building. God has an embassy in history. It's called the church. The church is God's embassy that has the only, I hope you understand this, that has the only delegated authority to bring the values of the homeland into foreign territory. The church is the only mechanism on earth through which Jesus Christ deals with the spirit realm in the earth. Are you getting that? The only mechanism on the planet that Jesus uses to deal with the spirit realm is his church. And so if we are not walking in our authority, if we're not operating in our authority, we have an impotent church and the gates of hell are having their way. I hope you understand the responsibility and the weight that is on the church at large, that he says, the only way that I will exercise the authority of heaven in the world is through my church. That's crazy. He dreamed that the church would remain on the earth to execute his will. Scripture says that we are foreigners and strangers in a foreign world, 1 Peter 2.11. This world is called foreign territory. This world is not our home. God has set up shop in this land And he has done it through the church. Pastor Tony Evans, which I love him so much, said this. He said, the church is a legislative body doing so spiritually. The job of the church is to draw heaven into history, eternity into time. 
The job of the church is to bring God's viewpoint into the culture. You and I, as members of the church that Jesus is building, have been given delegated power and authority because we are a part of the ecclesia that Jesus said he would build and the gates of hell would not overcome it. You need to turn to somebody and say, I have the authority because I'm a part of the ecclesia. And you know what? This is, the Lord gave me a picture of, of the church at large when I was preparing this sermon. I saw, I saw the church like the army of Israel in full weaponry, full armor. And they were standing, and this picture is exactly from the book of Samuel. You remember when David showed up? He saw an entire army of Israel in full armor doing nothing. Had the weapons, had the armor, and they literally showed up daily just to be mocked and taunted. And David shows up and says, is there not a cause? See, we have to be careful that in the reasoning and the rationale and all of these things about, about if it doesn't make sense in our mind, in, in culture today, that if it's, it's not real, if I can't understand it, we have to make sure that we don't become this impotent church that has all the weapons, all the armor, and we just show up and we just get beat up and taunted every single day. There's got to be Davids that rise up Amen. that say, is there not a cause? This is not what the church is. The church is not supposed to be God's entity in the regalia just so we can look cute. We're supposed to show up and do work. And, Jesus, and David showed up and he said, no, 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 no. I, I'm not go I don't like my God being mocked. I, my God is not going to be embarrassed by the enemy. This is why there's got to be something that rises up on the inside of you that says, listen, my sin issue is bigger than me just struggling with temptation. This is the enemy punking me. One of the ways that the church remains impotent is we stay struggling with stuff. And it keeps our mind off of the advancement of the kingdom. And then we feel shame and we feel unworthy and we can't move forward. You have authority. You have authority still to this day. There are moments at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, where I wake up in the, in the middle of the night and I'm tempted to go down to the computer and type some stuff up, maybe look up some pornography. Um, I have authority, though. Yeah. Oh, did that just get real? I'm sorry. Yeah. Because... There's work to be done. And so if I, if I type in an address, I will spend the next two, three weeks of my life feeling shame and condemned and lose focus on advancing the kingdom. It, too much is at stake for us to just be playing games. Okay? So we have authority. We, we have to operate in that authority. The church is not some weak, fragged, a ragged, fragile entity that is limping along the church is stronger than that. 
because Jesus designed us for that way. This function of the church actually served as a redemption of what Adam lost when, we, when he sinned. And, and we see that in Genesis chapter 1. Listen. From the beginning of creation, God wanted a people in his image and his likeness to rule with authority. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule or have dominion. The word there is dominion. It means to rule. It means to reign. It means to govern. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, they handed over dominion to sin. And then Jesus, the second Adam, came and redeemed all those things. He had to get it back. And when he did, what does he do in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18? He said, Jesus came up and spoke to all of his disciples. What did he say? He said, all authority has been given to me. How was it given to him? It was given through the, the cross. I'm getting back what y'all lost. And now I say all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go into the all, all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and I will be with you every, in always. Listen to me. This is what Jesus was saying. He said, I have authority. Now I give it to you. Therefore, go out into all the world and set up embassies that are my ecclesia that will bring heaven to the earth. So if the church that Jesus is building is the ecclesia or legislative body that has delegated authority, then how do we exercise this legislated or delegated authority? We do it through what Jesus told the disciples that the church that he is building would do. Matthew 16, let's go back there, verse 18, 19, and 20. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. With you. I don't know, I'm getting fired up this morning. It's called, you know, for some of us, this is called being strengthened in the Lord. He said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. That keys is authority, by the way. And whatever, how do you exercise your authority? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Listen, it is not what you say that has authority as much as it is what you repeat that has authority. Oh, that's key, and we're going to get into it for in a minute. But listen, binding and loosing is something you do with your mouth. You know why they say, there's pastors that say a silent church is a dead church? Because they're not opening up their mouths. How did God create the world? He spoke it into existence. Now, I'm not going, you know, turn the camera off. I'm not going into the whole Word of Faith TBN stuff, but I'm just saying that what you speak matters. Right. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Right. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What you're speaking matters yeah. because that's the way that you exercise your authority with binding and loosing. Listen to me. Uh, it goes on to say, um, binding and loosing is this. It's it is the act of handcuffing or tying up. That's what binding is. Loosing is the act of setting free. But neither one of these things get exercised until you actually speak. And it's not just speaking for the sake of speaking. What has the most authority is actually what you repeat. I'll, I'll, let me get into that. Matthew 7, 29, Jesus taught. It describes Jesus as, as teaching uh, as one with what? With authority. Now, why did Jesus have authority? Was it because God gave it to him? No, 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 no. 
This is what, this is what caused Jesus to have authority. John 12, 49. I'm just referencing it. The reason why Jesus had authority is because he did not speak on his own accord. He spoke what his father told him to say. When you, this is why going to a prophetic class coming up matters. Because we all need to learn how to hear God more so that we can be more effective with what comes out of our mouth. You can't bind and loose stuff if you don't know what you're supposed to bind and loose. You can't have authority until you know what you're supposed to speak out. The reason why people said Jesus had authority is because God the Father endorsed what he spoke because he said, when you speak what I, what I tell you to speak, I'll back it up. Right. And the reason why today there are Christians that don't necessarily have that authority is because they're speaking of their own accord based upon a principle without any personal connection to the Holy Spirit. Right. I, we need to talk about that. Because Christians just say all sorts of stuff. And it's like, did the Holy Spirit tell you to say that? Or did you just grab a hold of one principle in the whole scope of Scripture and say, well, this is my, this is my gambit. This is my philosophy. The church is not built on the philosophies of man. And when you take one scriptural principle and you build a foundation on how you're supposed to conduct yourself in the world on that thing, guess what? You are setting yourself up to crumble. Because the foundation that we build ourselves upon is not a principle we exact from Scripture to justify our thought processes and behaviors. The only authority we have is when we are in line with what Jesus and the Holy Spirit have told us to say. Otherwise, we're on our own. I'm not against principles, but I just want what God wants me to say. If he points me to a principle and says, that's what you're supposed to pray, I'm praying it. But I am not going to disconnect it from his leading of what's supposed to come out of my mouth in the moments where I'm dealing with the spirit realm. It matters. Let's, go, let's talk about this. Our authority as the ecclesia is most potent when it is connected to the personal prompting of the Holy Spirit, not just a principle we pick, pick out of Scripture. Go on YouTube, you will find some crazy stuff that has been declared and spoken simply because of principle without connection. Principles are great, but once again, Matthew 7, they prophesied, they cast out demons, they did all the work of Jesus, and Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. You were practicing principles that were disconnected from the person. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Our authority is given by a person, not a principle. And if we want our authority to be potent, then it has to be connected to the leading of the Holy Spirit more than just a mere principle. I'll give you an example of that. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19. Do you have five more minutes? Can I get the worship team up here? Worship team up here. Acts chapter 19. I love this scripture. This is what happens, or this is what can happen when you're practicing a principle disconnected from a person. Matthew, or Acts chapter 19, verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Are you there? 
so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. But also, listen, some of the Jewish exorcists were like, that's working. That was kind of like my commentary added in there. Who went from place to place attempting to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. <laughs> Seven sons of one Sceva, Jewish chief priests, were doing this, and the evil spirit answered, because what's the problem? The problem is they've grabbed a hold of a principle without personal connection. And the evil spirit said, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who do you think you are? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. <laughs> that's what happens. Now, that's a worst case scenario, by the way. But I'm just not going to risk it. I'm just not going to play those games where I'm like, well, I'm not going to Google principles I can declare. I'm actually going to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say in this situation? Let me give you an, a, a testimony of that. And this is the craziest thing, that's, one of the craziest things that ever has happened to me. Um, probably about five years ago, because this is when, this, this showed me how real the spirit realm is. Um, about five years ago, my son wanted a turtle. This is crazy. My son wanted a turtle, Gideon. He wanted a turtle. So, uh, so I went to uh, a place to get a turtle and I, we you know, saved up some money, we bought the tank, we bought the whole thing. And uh, I realized very quickly after a couple of months that turtles for five-year-olds are terrible pets because turtles literally do nothing, <laughs> literally. He's like, this is so awesome. After like then day two, he was like, is it dead? Like, <laughs> turtles literally do nothing and they stink. And so, um, but, be, but during that initial time, I said, Gideon, you get to name it. And he had uh, a pair of older cousins that love Star Wars. And he's highly influenced by them. And so he wanted, to, he wanted to name it something that they thought was cool. And so there's this character, Star Wars character. Um, if you know anything about the Star Wars universe, there's these Darth Lords, like Darth Vader and... And, and, and the extended universe, this is going deep, he named his turtle Darth Plagueis. Darth Plagueis. Anybody know what Darth Plagueis is? <laughs> Got the nerds in the room. I love it. And so he named it Darth Plagueis. And so uh, I was like, hey, that's cool. And he, he only knew about Darth. He knew nothing about the character. He only knew about it because his cousins, Mike and Lucas, knew about it because they had read the books and stuff like that. And so he names it that, and uh, time goes on, and out of nowhere, never happened in Gideon's life, literally never. He starts having night terrors. You know what a night terror is? Night terror, uh, this is what started happening. I, we would be asleep. This is before Ellen Zeke, I think, were alive, and, uh, or born, <laughs> alive. <laughs> before my wife and I brought them into the world. And so I would, wake, I would wake up to about 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, his, open, his door open and shut. I'm like, what the heck? So I'd get up, I'd go out, 
and he would be downstairs in a daze wandering around the house, have no idea where he is, trying to open the front door. So I go downstairs and I'm like, Gideon, what are you doing? And he's just mumbling. I'm like, what the heck is going, <laughs> you know, like, you playing a game? Like, this is not funny. And I would be looking at him like, Gideon, get it, get it. And then finally he'd be like, what am I, what, what am I doing? And this happened for days on end. Do you remember this? This happened for days on end, literally. And I'm like, this is crazy. And one night when it happens, see, this is why, this is why being connected to the person of the Holy Spirit matters. The Holy Spirit said, look that name up. And so I go to the dictionary at like two o'clock in the morning. And I look up, I don't look up Darth, but I look up Plagueis. And this is what it means. A thing causing trouble or irritation used as a curse or an expression of despair or disgust caused continual trouble or distress to to pester or harass someone continually and I'm like oh hell no because Gideon's five or six but he doesn't know that what comes out of his mouth has authority even at five or six and I said, nope, we are changing that name. So I woke up the next morning after that morning. I said, I rebuke Darth Plagueis, Plagueis in Jesus' name. And I'm praying in the middle of the night. I wake up the next morning and I was like, hey, little buddy, guess what? That turtle's not going to be named Darth Plagueis anymore. You get to name it something different. And he's like, fine, I'll name it Chewbacca. And from then on, not another night terror. Crazy. Yeah. And if, if, if I was not connected to the person, I would have taken him to counseling. I would have taken him to a doctor and said, he's got problems sleeping. Do we have some medication? I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying that if you are not connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to diagnose whether this is a spiritual or a natural issue. And as a result, you will never operate in the ecclesia authority that you have in your house. We are the authority. He speaks that, and I speak against it. We changed that name, and it was done. That is crazy. But it's true. Because here's the thing. You know what that showed me? The devil is so desperate. I will use a turtle's name to steal, kill, and destroy. I will use a turtle's name to harass. This is why we can't give in to the rational and the reasoning. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it is. The things that we allow into our house, because God says in his word, we have dominion. So if we have dominion and we allow something out into our house, we have given it permission to have its way. He said the gates of hell will not prevail. And I will give you keys. What do keys do? Keys unlock gates. He said, whatever you bind and whatever you loose, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, you will loose in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying, you, when you use your authority, you can shut the gate of, the, of hell and you can lock that sucker up and say, this is as far as you go. You will not have your way in my territory. That's why he said that. 
another testimony and then we're gonna close because we're gonna sing a song that declares the authority that we have. Um, in, I don't know, 2014, 13, I was uh, a youth pastor at the time and um, I was for probably six months, I would wake up every single Thursday morning feeling like a failure. Pastors deal with that. <laughs> feeling like a failure, like, what am I doing? I'm not changing anybody's lives. I'm not doing anything. Now, if you're like me as a human being, it's easy to be like, well, you know, you're not a failure. It's like, have you ever struggled ever with discouragement? You know that, but you still believe it. Like, I know the principle that I'm more than a conqueror, but I'm, right now I don't feel that way. And so for six months, I would, I would literally driving down Groves Road to the church like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what I don't, what I'm not, what I'm doing just doesn't matter. And so I walked around with this feeling of fail, failure perpetually in ministry. We had a winter camp, 2013, 2014, and a speaker named Pat Schatzline came. And um, it was one night, and we were doing ministry. He had people walking up, and he was praying for them. And I'll never forget being like right there. He walked up to me, and he said, this is, he said, you will no longer wake up feeling like a failure. I break that off of you in Jesus' name. And I crumbled and had that, you know, ugly cry <laughs> that would have went viral. <laughs> I'm like weeping and I'm like moaning because, and groaning because it was on a soul level. It had sunken to a soul level. But thank God that there was a member of the ecclesia with some authority that spoke what Jesus told him to speak. Because a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Don't underestimate the timing of what you speak when God tells you to speak it because it will come with an authority from heaven where God's like, I got you. You know the reason why it says that Samuel, none of his words fell to the ground? Because he spoke in agreement with heaven. This is the ecclesia. This is the church that Jesus is building. A powerful people because they in their own mouth have the same authority when they speak what he tells them to speak. Listen to me, I wanna say something crazy. Will you stand with me? I wanna say something crazy to you. When you follow the Holy Spirit, when you follow the Holy Spirit's leading to speak what he puts on your heart to speak, what comes out of your mouth is as powerful as if Jesus would speak it himself. Why? Because the church is the entity that God put into the world to execute his will. We are it. So when we speak around our home, when we speak in our home, when we speak in our neighborhoods, when we speak to people, the will of God in their life, the affirmation, the encouragement, the inspiration, when we rebuke what needs to be rebuked, when we bind what needs to be bound, when we loose what needs to be loosed, I'm telling you, 
there's an authority that we have. And it's because Jesus dreamed of a church one day that he could release that authority to and say, you are my representation in the earth. Go and have your way. Demonstrate the will of heaven and tear down what the enemy is trying to build all at the same time. So I want to sing a song that talks about the authority that he has given us when we open up our mouth. Father, in this room, I pray that this, this message, your word, has inspired, has, has caused a passion to come into the hearts of people, to execute your authority in the world, to walk in the ecclesia that you have given us, to walk as a legislative body to enact the will of heaven in the earth. God, that when we would open up our mouths, it would not be founded on a principle, but connected to the personal leading of the Holy Spirit. God, open up the ears of our hearts that we would hear. Anything that has been blocking, anything that has been obstructing, our ability to be a vessel, our ability to hear clearly, to speak clearly, I pray that would come under the authority of Jesus' name. And Father, as you opened up deaf ears, I pray that you would open up deaf ears of the spirit realm this morning, that we would be able to hear so clearly, that we would begin to know, Father, the urging of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit so that we can speak when we were spoken to so that we can enact the authority that the ecclesia has in the world in Jesus name and everybody said come on let's worship Jesus this morning